Turn in your Bibles, find in your Bibles the book of Ecclesiastes. Find in your Bibles. It's in the Old Testament, uh, which is more than the front part of the, your Bible. Uh, book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, some of you uh, don't know anything about the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad that uh, we can go through this study. I feel like it is um, time for us to go through this book. I think it's important for us to go through this book, both in light of our lives right now, uh, what's going on in our lives personally. Uh, you, you know what I'm assuming is going on in your life right now personally? Chaos. Uh and we're fighting against chaos in our home. Uh, we are looking for ways uh, to quiet stuff down. Even as we have sung, be still my soul. Um, I want to say, be still my house sometimes. Uh, be still my heart. Uh, why am I frantic? Why am I caught up in these things? It's interesting, uh, most of us, we float uh, between these two extremes in life right now. We say, you know, uh, uh, I'm going to find the cure for cancer. I'm going to find the cure for cancer, or I'm going to go check my Instagram right now. Like, like in in ways of importance, we some somewhere fall in the middle there of things that important things that we're going to do. Uh, most of you aren't looking for a cure for cancer. If it hits you in the head, you'll accept it, right? Uh, but uh, most of us aren't, uh, our whole lives aren't on social media. Our whole life isn't revolving around there. We're, we're looking for some kind of meeting, meaning in the middle. Uh, we're looking for some kind of thing that will make life fulfilling. And we realize that that's hard to do. Uh, most of us have struggled with this to some degree or another. We look uh, for certain careers or a career with a certain amount of money attached to it that would somehow uh, make life meaningful. We look for some kind of accomplishment that would somehow fulfill us, some type of uh, job or activity that we can be successful at. In fact, some of us, uh, most, probably all of us, to some degree, we've tried something and failed enough times that we said, forget it. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, we don't like it when we aren't fulfilled in our tasks. Some of us have uh, sought for that in people. Uh, we said, well, you know, uh, my life is unfulfilling. It, it's somehow empty. So I'm going to go and get married. I'm going to find someone to live the rest of my life with. And somehow that would be fulfilling. And, and maybe you get married and uh, you begin that relationship and you, you say, well, I'm still missing something. Maybe I need some of those little things. Those kids, you know, I'm going to get some of those. And when you have one, you know, you might as well have a few more after that, right? Because uh, if one doesn't bring enough chaos to your life, uh, if you add more, more chaos will come. And there's this sense of looking and, and, and finding and, and hoping and in that next thing that something would be fulfilling. And, and the disappointment sometimes is too much to bear. Uh, sometimes as people get married, 
they don't find that fulfillment. And so they look for it in other things. They find it in another woman or another man, or they they just bolt and run saying, this isn't what I read on the brochure of marriage. Uh, It didn't meet up to my standards, and so I'm gone. The search for meaning and fulfillment. As we look in our study of the book of Ecclesiastes, um, we will find our purpose of life. We will look, as, as many of us have sought it, if you understand from God's perspective what is out there, what He desires for our life, uh, I think you're going to find meaning uh, in a meaningless life. Some of you don't know much about uh, the book of Ecclesiastes. That's okay. Uh, some of us uh, have read through it over and over again and still don't really understand much of the book of Ecclesiastes, but hopefully God will guide our steps through this. Uh, I've heard this from some that they don't even like the book of Ecclesiastes uh, because it uh, seems discouraging to them. I want to tell you that uh, the purpose of the book of Ecclesiastes is not to discourage you as a believer in Jesus, but to encourage you and comfort you in these difficult days. As we look at the book of Ecclesiastes, I want to remind you of this, and I want to come back to it over and over again. Jesus is looked forward to in the book of Ecclesiastes. If this were a New Testament book, it would be very different because uh, as we look for meaning and purpose, it's not found, uh, it it speaks of Jesus being involved in that. And uh, the Father, as He communicates to us in the book of Ecclesiastes, it's found in relationship to Him. So our hope and our study here is that we would find the unshakable purpose that will get us out of bed in the morning. Can't promise that will get the teenagers out of bed, but um, nothing more than electricity uh, usually. Um, you could take that to mean whatever you want. Uh, get them out of bed in the morning. It, it'll give us priority. As we look to this book, we'll give us a priority. Sometimes that's hard. Uh, if any of you struggle, you should struggle with priorities, by the way. Like, there's too much to do. There's uh, things calling for our attention, our time, our finances. But there's not enough of any of those things. And so there's a priority that needs to happen. I need to choose this over this. And if I choose this, I can't choose this. And so uh, hopefully as we go through this study, it'll help us make decisions on what's important. Give us priorities for the day and direction for our lives. And I want to say this, and in the end, joy and fulfillment for the journey. Joy and fulfillment for the journey. I, I want to tell you, that it's hard to be joyful. I, want, I, I guess I want to confess that to you. So some of you say, uh, uh, it, it's hard to answer sometimes. Hey, so how are you doing? Fine. I'm doing fine. You get that, uh, uh, you know, hey, how's everything going? Great, great. Uh, can we end this conversation? Can we change the topic? Um, uh, I want to tell you that that uh, it, it's a struggle for joy and fulfillment. It's a struggle for that. Um, 
I, I know that you're fighting there with me. But as I look at the book of Ecclesiastes, I want to tell you that God wants for you and for me joy for the journey. Not that every day would turn out the way we want it, but that he would find and give us and grant us joy and fulfillment in the midst of our days. Some of you are going, boy, that was was a humdinger of a a presentation, Pastor Kevin. He he said, that's what we're going to find. Prove it. You know, show me. Uh, I hope to in the weeks to come and even today. So let's dive into the deep end. Okay, if you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you a portion of the first chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. God's word says this. The words, <clears throat> the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north and around and around goes the wind. And on its circuits, the wind returns. All streams Uh, Run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be. And what has been done uh, is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which is said, see, this is new. It is already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of the latter things yet to be among those who come after us. We'll stop there and um, just ask God's blessing on really the first portion of what I read. God, thank you. For the opportunities here today, and Lord, I ask that you would stir our thoughts, that we would submit our thinking, our lives, our generation to you. God, I know there are hurting people here this morning. I know there are confused people here. I know there are people that are in the midst of struggle and chaos. And God, I ask that you would help uh, settle them down today uh, at your feet. They would be encouraged knowing that uh, you are a God of the beginning and the end. And that you have a plan for the days in the middle. God, do your work in us now. May your spirit be our teacher, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I always try to... Uh, It's a fascinating thing. Maybe it's not that fascinating, uh, but as a pastor uh, who preaches, tries to preach expositionally going through the scriptures, uh, you do get to the end of a book all the time, you know, and and there's always this question, so what do you do next? And uh, sometimes it's been a great struggle to figure out what to do next. 
other times I've asked my fourth grader um, and I've taken his advice. Uh, um, I remember asking Caleb and he real quickly had a good answer. I go, oh, okay, that sounds like a good idea. Um, uh, as I think about different books of the Bible, um, I look at the book of Ecclesiastes and I say, well, who who would that be for? Who Who would that book be for that would be part of our church? And I'll be honest, as as I think about it, my, my knee-jerk reaction is for those who are young, those who are young, um, because I, I have, my, my children are uh, 21, 18, 16, and 11, okay? And so they're right in that phase of life where they're making all the big decisions, and it's not that, you know, I know this, and you know this, if you've been a little bit older than that, that uh, if you decide something when you're 16, it isn't necessarily the final answer, right? It's uh, possibly a step on the road or a start and stop, and maybe we should reset this and start again. Like there's there's all kinds of directional things that are happening at this phase of life. And so as I think about this book, uh, it's a book for my kids. It's a book for your kids. Um, and yet, uh, having spent a lot of time with people who are older as well, older than I am, I realize that they struggle with these things as well. That the disappointments of life and the hopes of days future even, um, I, I want to say as I read the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, God's word has plenty to say to reset your picture of what your days are supposed to look like and then there's the the frantic ones in the middle you know uh, we're not at the beginning of our uh, our adult life and we're not at the end uh, as at least as we know it but we're frantically trying to make meaning out of uh, our days and I want to tell you uh, it's time to hear from God it's time for us to hear from God um, so let's take a look at these first couple of verses of the book of Ecclesiastes. This morning is kind of a, a brief intro. I want to tell you also, I forgot to tell you earlier, uh, this Wednesday we're going to have our Principles of Parenting class in room A. I want to encourage you to come if you're raising kids or you're thinking about raising kids. If you have kids, you should be raising them, by the way. It's, don't start thinking about it, but like, um, uh, please meet us over there at 7. Uh, we'll try to be an uh, hour and 15 minutes or so, no, nothing long, but give you a, a piece of the puzzle um, when it comes to the principles that are found in God's Word um, about how to raise children and how to set up your home. We start with the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, and there, there's some things to get uh, on on your radar at the beginning. First of all, it says the words of the preacher the words of the preacher. And um, that's interesting. It's interesting. It's a fascinating thing, this idea of the preacher. Um, it's a difficult word in the Hebrew because it, it's not like the preacher in the New Testament. It's a little bit simpler. It's the idea of proclamation. But this word, this Hebrew word for preacher uh, that has been translated preacher is this idea of 
of gathering together people, to assemble people uh, to hear a message, a spiritual message, okay? That's what this is. So it's this idea of being a person who gathers people together to hear something important. Um, this is the, that word, and it's not a, a person's word. Like, a, as we look at this, it's kind of a nickname, if you will. Um, it's a nickname that shows what you do, but we don't know who this preacher is. Uh, he doesn't identify himself by name anywhere in the book, but refers to himself as the preacher. Um, and if that's not confusing enough, let me do this for you. The word Ecclesiastes, where we get the name, uh, the name, it's, okay, you with me? Here we go. It's a Greek word transli transliterated into the English, you know, all of you could read that as Ecclesiastes. You didn't know what it meant, right? So it's a transliterated word, Greek word, uh, that's translated from the Latin word, which the Bible wasn't written in Latin. I just want to tell you that. It was translated in there, uh, which was connected to the Hebrew word, okay? The book of Ecclesiastes. And that word is the preacher, the preacher. It's this idea of the preacher. And uh, in the, the Hebrew, doesn't sound anything like that, by the way, but we have titled it the book of Ecclesiastes. But as you as you hear that, what you want to think about is a message, a message of wisdom, a spiritual wisdom type message that a, a man has gathered to share for people to become wise. And what's interesting about it is uh, it's not even about the man, from God. It's a message from God. And so uh, never get confused by a great man. Never get confused or attracted to a great man. If, any, if you bump into a great man, realize that that great man has a creator, okay? And as we look to the scripture, this is not about this preacher's great message, this preacher's great message, but it's about God inspiring him to write something important for us here this morning. Who is this preacher? People have uh, struggled over this over the years because there's no name, Right? There's no name. It's just the identification of a nickname. But as I, I've thought through these things and read about them, and uh, it seems obvious to me that it's Solomon, King Solomon. As you look at this, this first uh, verse says the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And what you have in the book of uh Ecclesiastes is a couple of different places and times he refers to himself by what he has done or what he is doing. King in Jerusalem, King of Jerusalem, son of David, which would definitely fall into King David's son, Solomon. King David's son, Solomon. As you look in the scripture, you can also look uh, to the Old Testament uh, books of history and find in 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, really the life and the, the, the kingly reign of Solomon. What went on in his kingdom. And so, as, as you think about this, know this. That kings, most, most of the time, the next one up was their son. And uh, David had many sons, or uh, more than one son. 
But Solomon was the one who became the king, who reigned after David. Um, it's interesting. Uh, at the, you really don't know what, uh, at the beginning of one's life or the beginning of one's career or history, you really don't know what they're going to be. Uh, you see flashes of brilliance. It's always funny to talk to young parents and, you know, their kids three, four, five years old. And they say, my child is advanced. My child is advanced. They're special. Like they're, they're smarter. Like I was looking at some of the other kids at church and uh, they're just not as smart as my kid. You know, my kid is special. Like they, they know stuff, you know, and then you say, well, it's kind of obvious, too, because I'm special, and uh, I've you know, kind of advanced. And when I look at the other people at church, they're just not as smart as I am. Um, as you look at uh, Solomon's life, you, you see at the beginning, at the beginning, there is some uh, flashes of greatness. But as we can look at Solomon's whole uh, life that's recorded, the events of his life, I want to tell you, at best, it's a mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. And I want to tell you this. So is your life. So is my life. I think so often uh, when we get to the end of our lives, we want to uh, have a highlights reel. You know, they do this in sports all the time. I love it, by the way. I love it. I, I, I love sports, but the idea of sitting and watching a whole game, uh, isn't that fun? But now you can just click on the Internet and then, Three minutes, they show you the whole game. Uh, it's awesome, but you just see the highlights. You don't see the things that are not that memorable. I want to tell you, most of our lives are not part of the highlight reel, right? Uh, in fact, some, some of the things that you say is you say, oh, my life isn't really more really a highlight reel. It's more of a bloopers type thing, right? Uh, th- this is what my life tends to be, bloopers, all right? One right after the other. Um, as, as we look at Solomon's life, and as uh, I would encourage you, if you're interested, um, to go, maybe if you don't know, to go to these books, 1 Kings and 2 Chronicles, and look at the life of Solomon. Uh, Solomon asked God uh, and was granted uh, in a special way. He, God granted him whatever he wanted, and he wanted wisdom, wisdom. And in fact, the blessing of the book of uh, Ecclesiastes, I believe, is part of the answer to that, uh, this wisdom. Uh, Solomon had great wisdom granted by God. He was also granted by God great wealth, great wealth and power and power. Uh, you can see that as well, really beyond all the previous kings that had ruled uh, before him and maybe even after him. But as a king also, he sinned. He sinned. Not just once, not just twice, not just in the public eye, but privately as well. He, uh, he fell to idolatry. He fell to idolatry. He was uh, found guilty over and over again of marrying unbelieving women and ultimately turning away from the God who blessed him. Um, which led really, as you look through the history of Israel, to the tearing of the kingdom in two and during the time of his son, 
um, really uh, bearing out some of those things. And that's something for us to remember as well, that our sins, the things that we do, and I don't want to say like God's punishment, like like it's not so much like that, but as we make dumb mistakes and sin and do our own way, it sets up a course and a path for our children and our grandchildren as well. And so this is the life of Solomon. And it's that backdrop that I believe that we have the book of Ecclesiastes. I believe that this is an older man reflecting on both his successes and failures and really the course of his days. And so I I think it's important for us to look, especially those of you who are young and, and looking and looking for God's blessing. If you're not looking for God's blessing, if you're just looking for success, I want to tell you, um, you shouldn't look to the book of Ecclesiastes. You want just success, there are better ways to do it, right? You can go, uh, uh, I wanted to say to go to Barnes and Noble. Those really don't exist that much anymore, but go on Amazon, okay? Amazon, and just say, Smart books on success or some dumb title like that. And there's one. I'm, I guarantee you there's one. And you can get you can get quotes from sports figures and CEOs and, and, and things that would stir your heart and go, yeah, that's a good idea. And you can get success that way. But what the book of Ecclesiastes is pointing us to is not just success and not finances, not uh, things, mountains to climb. It's talking about Living this life, finding joy, in, and, and this idea of joy without problems, right? Joy without problems. And this idea of fulfillment, all the days that we have down here. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I have to say this. One of the things that um, the book of Ecclesiastes says is under the sun, under the sun. You know what that is? We are under the sun right now, Right? That is really hard to preach in Seattle, by the way, right? Uh, you know, if you'd really translate it accurately for Seattle, it would be under the clouds, right? Uh, it's being down here. It's life down here. How do we deal with life down here? Um, and so, anyways, uh, as we get moving here, uh, I want to tell you, as we look at this, we realize that Solomon, David's son, king, uh, of Jerusalem. He he had that position of king. He had the lineage of David. Uh, this, I feel, is the identification of the man Solomon. And so as we think about this, know this. Uh, uh, you could say Solomon, great man, great man. He won gold medals, okay? He won, I, I made that up, but like if he were today, he would have uh, been top of the podium, right? He won gold medals, but he had incredible failures as well. Incredible failures that impacted uh, a nation, a nation, a people, uh, his, his people, his family, uh, just incredible failures. And so as we look at this, we realize this is a look at, into the things of life from that kind of a man. In verse 2, in verse 2, it gives us, the uh, one of the great refrains from the book of Ecclesiastes. It comes up over and over again. I, I think it was over 30 times. 
in the book. It comes back to this or some portion of this type uh, message. And it says this, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. So I think we should try to figure out what the word vanity means, because he's going to use it over and over and over again. It's the message of the preacher. Um, In some Bibles, it says, it translates this word meaningless, meaningless, Um, which is, uh, if I say something is meaningless, uh, it's kind of nice, right? If you look at something and you're worried about something and somebody says, oh, that's meaningless, you go, oh, great. (laughs) I don't have to care about that. I want to tell you that uh, it's a problem when it's a book about life and it connects to vanity of vanities, meaningless, meaningless, these words. Let me let me try to unpack that that word and then we'll uh, insert her back in and and then try to uh, go from there. First of all, uh, the word meaningless or uh, in the ESV, which I'm using vanities is a word that it is really at its base in the Hebrew is a word of breath or vapor, breath or vapor. And, and the idea of a breath or vapor is something that's insignificant, right? It, it's just a, a momentary event. Uh, you, when it's cold and you, you can see your breath, uh, you can see that that happens and then it dissipates and it falls into nothingness and it's it's uh, unspectacular, unspectacular. Uh, the a vapor is something that is only there as long as whatever is making it uh, like that is putting it out. Um, we see this, and so the the idea of the word, you know, that's what the word means. It's the idea of of transitory, like like something that is constantly changing, will only be here for a moment. Maybe the word fleeting, if you will. And the idea in the usage, you always got to go, how is it used? If you look at the context of the whole book of Ecclesiastes, it goes like this. He says this, and then he shows it in life. That everything in life is changing, Everything in life is fleeting. Everything in life is is temporary. And in so doing, it's insignificant. It's insignificant, which brings us to this word vanity or meaninglessness. Or meaningless. Why is something meaningless? Well, something is meaningless if it's insignificant, right? It's not going to trip you up in a day but it's also not going to bring fulfillment to your life. It's also going to be, it's interesting. um, And I want to be careful with this. I want to be real careful because uh, some of us are clinging to things in life. And and as we look to the scriptures, we see this vanity, vanities, meaningless, meaningless. All is vanity. All is vanity. Clinging to them. You know, uh, I guess it's been probably now, I don't know, 15, 17, 18 years ago, 
I beat my kids. I beat my kids in hi-ho chariots. Have you ever played hi-ho chariots? It's intense. It's intense. You have these little buckets, and you put cherries in them. And the one who gets to a certain number with cherries in their bucket, but it's, it gets really complicated because as you spin, you can get one cherry or two cherries or three cherries. And I think there's also one that's a dog, that if the dog kicks over your bucket, you lose all your cherries. I beat my son 17, 18 years ago in high ho chariot. Made my life fulfilling since that point. <laughs> Up to that point, I felt like a complete loser. But once I beat him, you see how it, that, that, that sounds ridiculous. And, and what I, I'm going to talk about this over and over again as we what I believe, so um, uh, Zach, Zach was coming to the office, and I, I beat him into the office one day this week, and I knew that he was coming. I knew that he had a lot to do, and I knew that he was a little bit stressed, too, and so I, I, I waited for him to come in, and I said, I said, hey, Zach, I just want to tell you something. He goes, what? Your work today is meaningless. Just wanted you to know that. And he said, he smiled and he goes, meaningless, meaningless, you know. Uh, I, I want to tell you what, what the writer, what God is seeking to do for all of us. He's to adjust our expectations of what the events of our life are all about. Some, some of us think that we have life or death priorities and lists of things to do. We think we have life or death. And, and we come to one another and say, hey, how are you doing? He says, I'm so stressed right now. Why are you so stressed? I got to play my kid at Hi-Ho Cheerio later, and I'm not sure if I can win. I, I want to tell you, I want to tell you, the idea that, that God wants to do is he wants to adjust, adjust our thinking about what we are doing. He says, meaningless, meaningless, all is meaningless. I think that uh, the danger for us will be this. And by the way, uh, the repetition is for emphasis. Uh, vanity of vanities, it's like the, the highest level of vanity or the highest level of meaninglessness uh, as we look at this. He, if you can think about it, in the other ways in the Hebrew, it's king of kings, right? Song of songs. Out of all the songs, this is the, the song, the epitome. Of all the kings, this is the greatest. And as we look at the things of life, for us to remember at their core, meaningless, vanity, vapor, fleeting. I realize that, in, and this is why it's written, I realize that in the midst of what we're doing, we find it to be overwhelming. We find it to be critical. We find it to be everything. And yet the writer, God wants us to know. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. All is vanity. As I think about that, I, I think about, well, what does that mean, all? All is a tough one to define sometimes, right? All. I was thinking about the things that we find important. Who has the most gold medals? Um, what are we having for lunch today? How much money do you make? How much money do you have? How much money have you saved? What are your grades? 
What's your GPA? How long do you have to work to pay uh, for your, pay your bills, support your family? How, how many hours a week? Can you go on vacation? Where can you go on vacation? How old is your car? Does it work? You have a car, and yeah, I own a this, that, and the other thing. It just sits in my driveway. But, uh, how much uh, how much laundry have you done this week? How much laundry is left to be done? What's the most important thing that you're doing? What's the most important political issue of our day? What about Planned Parenthood? What about the Me Too movement? What about education and social justice? What about Russian meddling in elections? What about earthquakes, hurricanes, the Lakers, taxes, gun control, the price of oil or of eggs? Will it rain or will we be in a drought again? What's most important? What does it matter? As I listed these things and as I thought about my own life and the things that I question and the things that bother me, I realized it's important for me to see these things through God's eyes. That that I would see life, that I would see politics, that I would see my day, that I would see my children and my wife through God's eyes. That I would adjust my expectations based upon the Word of God. As I think about these things, um, the implications of how I think about them, it matters so much. Um, As you watch the news, as you see what's going on in our world today, I want to tell you, that people are searching for meaning. They're searching for meaning. And they're, they're saying to themselves, at least initially, I can be great. I can be great at whatever I'm going to do. Life is going to be great. I can be the greatest. I can do this. I can do that. Everything is going to work out great. I'm going to be great. Life is going to be great. Everything is going to be perfect. And then it doesn't happen. They bump up against the emptiness of life and the meaninglessness of the events of life. And they get a glimpse of it, and and we try to push it away. We try to say, no, no, life's going to be great. I'm going to push harder. I'm going to get more. I'm going to get a new set of friends. I'm going to figure out how to do this. It's going to be great. And they bump up to it against it again, and life Uh, They see the meaninglessness of life. So what happens when you don't have the Lord and you see the meaninglessness of life? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what I do. Doesn't matter if I drink. It doesn't matter if I do drugs. It doesn't matter how I treat people. It doesn't matter. um, You don't matter. I don't matter. This day doesn't matter. Nothing matters. And so... You just say nothing matters, and so there's this reckless living, and this reckless living uh, 
bounces around in our head to this meaninglessness of life. And despair sets in. Despair. And, and wicked thoughts. And I want to tell you, all these things, all these, this wrong picture, guess what? The enemy loves it. It's his playground. It's his playground. And I, I know some of you have already connected the dots for me this morning, but uh, I believe that this has a ton to do with what happened in Florida this week. A ton. The difficulties of life that remind us of the meaninglessness of it, the confusion of it, leads someone to despair. A person who has been uh, let go by this world and let down by the people around them uh, and goes and more chaos, more meaninglessness. I want to tell you that it's a critical message for us this morning that we would remember that all, all is meaningless. All, all the things of life, all of it is. This book that we're going to study is going to do really two things, two things. And uh, the first one is um, important, but the second one is more important for us. First one is this. It's going to show us the inability the inability of those who don't know God to handle this life. Their inability. There's no way to do it without the Lord. If everything is meaningless, if everything has an emptiness to it, how do we find meaning in, in that kind of life? I'll tell you, it's going to show us the inability of the lost to handle this life or the next, for that matter. Secondly, um, I, I want to tell you that this book was written, this first readers were the godly of Israel, the godly of Israel, those ones who were struggling, those ones who struggled uh, in their day to provide for their family, to do everything that we're doing in health and raising kids. They, they were struggling to do that. They were godly, but they were also impacted by the world around them. In the days of Solomon, there were days of riches, but the days to come were going to be discouraging, and there was going to be separation and captivity and all kinds of different things going on. And this was to be a comfort and a counsel to them. And that comfort and counsel uh, is going to be the thing that we seek to find in the midst of vanity of vanities, of knowing that to be true. I want for us is that we would gain perspective and protection and hope from the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, perspective to be able to see the life uh, that we're living through the eyes of God. When we don't, it, it, it goes like, it's, when we don't, it'll go real simple right here. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to be great. Everything's going to be great. It's not great. Oh, no, I'm depressed. Everything's bad. My life's terrible. It's fine, it, but by the way, it, it seems like uh, it's fine when you're young and that happens, right? Everything blows up and you say you're fine. But some of you are older here, right? And you're saying the idea of starting over, the disappointments of the past, I can't erase. I, I can't just hit the reset button. I want you to gain God's perspective on these things. And I want to tell you that that perspective will be your protection will be your protection against dark thoughts, against despair. 
But also, I want to tell you this, that as we look at this great book, it will also give us a pathway of life, a pathway of life. How can we find joy today? How can we find, uh, you know, some, some kind of purpose in the midst of this meaningless life? I want to, I, I didn't want to leave you here this morning. So I, I did a survey of some of the scriptures of the Bible, the, the book of Ecclesiastes. And I wanted you to hear these, kind of a, a teaser, if you will, uh, so that you'd come back next week. I, I, I was afraid you weren't going to come back next week, by the way. Ecclesiastes, you can follow these in your Bible or you can just listen to me. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 24. I love this. This is same book, same book. So in the midst of displaying all this meaninglessness, uh, the writer is going to show us in the midst of this. So seek this. So seek this. So seek this. This is the way life is supposed to be in the midst of sharing that with us. First of all, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, starting in verse 24. There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. It's from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Okay. He's, he's pointing the way for us for enjoyment. Second one, chapter 3. Chapter 3, book of Ecclesiastes. Rayvon, you listening? Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, uh, yet so that he can cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also for everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Skipping over to chapter 4 of the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, many of you have heard this before, but uh, it's, a, it's a, a great nugget of how to live this life of what you need. It says this, two are better than one. So sit alone. Hang out by yourself. Bad idea. Two are better than one because there is a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up again. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one uh, who is alone, two with can with withstand him a threefold cord is not quickly broken skipping to the last chapter he says this in verse one remember your creator in the days of your youth remember your creator in the days of your youth and then the concluding uh message really the theme or the marching orders for us as god's people and Chapter 12, verse 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Please join with me in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. God, I ask that you would help us in our, our search for life down here. 
God, I ask that you would give us this proper perspective that we would not uh, become um, foolish and chasing after things that won't satisfy us and too discouraged in the midst of this meaningless life that we would find you in the midst of all of it and that we would find our enjoyment from you. God, thank you for uh, the blessing of this time. Thank you for your word and its instruction to us. Glorify yourself and your church, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. We'll see you later.